Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a trans-denominational podcast. All are welcome and safe here, no matter what your faith is or isn't. My name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained licensed minister with the Fellowship of Celtic Catholic Churches International, founder and director of the Oblix Perpetual Light, a life coach, intuitive healer, and Kabbalist. I firmly believe this divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we'll explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are well and blessed. Infinite thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, infinite thanks for finding us. It is my deepest hope and sincerest prayer that you find everything you're looking for on a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, here and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings and love for being a longtime listener and supporter of the show. It is because of you that this show is here. So the long, very long, too long <laughs> awaited episode of St. Paisios is now. Those of you who are longtime listeners know I've been talking about this episode for well, probably since season two. I've been talking about it too long. I've studied a book of his. It was over 700 pages long. And I wanted this to be a whole bag of chips and more, as the kids used to say. But I don't know. I, <laughs> In my efforts to continuously try to perfect this show, I, I think I just made it worse. So I just decided to... Throw caution to the wind and let the chips literally fall where they fall. And uh, I so hope and pray that you all enjoy this show and that it, if anything, it sparks your curiosity for St. Paisios of Mount Athos and gets you interested in learning more about him. That, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, is my ultimate goal for this show is, is not just to share his life and his miracles and, and things uh, that can help us in our everyday lives and encourage and uplift us, but uh, things that we can do for the long haul, you know, for the rest of our lives, like study more of his teachings, study more of his works. And, um, you know, I'll definitely be listing the book, the monster book that I study, but there's a lot of smaller books as well. Um, if you just do a Search on Amazon or Thrift Books on St. Paisios, P-A-I-S-I-O-S of Mount Athos. You will see all kinds of different things. So for those of you who are new, who haven't heard me uh, just go all over St. Paisios for several seasons, um, he is uh, hands down, without a doubt, one of my all-time favorite saints. Um, there's several of them, of course, but he, he's up there. He's up there within the top three. And um, he 
I have a photo of him uh, above my home altar, uh, along with other saints that I have photos of as well. Um, and I think you'll you'll get the idea of why and how from his story. At least I hope you do. So, of course, a link to the article I will be reading from will be in the show description. And his, of course, St. Piotrus of Mount Athos was a well-known Greek Eastern Orthodox ascetic from Mount Athos, originally from Pharasa, Cappadocia. He was respected for his spiritual guidance and ascetic life, and many people worldwide highly venerate Elder Paisios, especially in Greece and in Russia, as well as in my heart and mind. And I pray after this show, he will be in your heart and mind as well. He was born in July the 25th, or I should say on, not in. <laughs> July the 25th in 1924 in Kamlika, Turkey. And he passed on July 12th, 1994 at the monastery of St. John the Theologian. So those of you who are my age or older, that was in our lifetime, you know, and, you know, this was a saint that was well within our lifetime. So they do have him credited as writing a book, St. Arsenios of Cappadocian. Uh, his place of burial is at the monastery of St. John the Theologian. Of course, his feast day is the 12th of July um, in our calendar or the 29th of June if you are using the Orthodox calendar. His parents were Prasdramos Enzipidis and Evlabia Esnipidi. He was canonized January 13th, 2015 by Ecumenical Patriarch, uh, or Patriot, excuse me, of Constantinople. So this article was written by priest monk Christodoulos, in 1998 and a priest monk is exactly what that says the person is a priest and a monk uh in the orthodox tradition they are known as heromonks so the title of this article is elder paisios of the holy mountain elder paisios was born on saint anne's day july 25th 1924 in Farasa of cappadocia asia minor his father prodromos a pious man was the mayor of Farasa. He was characterized by a strong sense of patriotism, and his life was many times put in danger by the Setis, who were a constant threat to the town of Farasa. Odromos felt a deep devotion and love for Father Arsenios, the spiritual father of the family. He was recently canalized by his church because of the numerous miracles he had worked, even before his death. Impressed by St. Arsenios's miraculous life, Podromos kept a notebook where he recorded the saints' miracles, which he either heard or experienced himself. For the benefit of both his children and his own, the elder's mother was called Elombia, and he had nine brothers and sisters altogether. On August 7th, 1924, a week before the big immigration from Farasa, which is Turkey, to Greece, St. Arsenios decided to have all the children baptized, including Prodromus' son. The boy was supposed to be named Christos after his grandfather, according to the old Greek custom. However, excuse me, however, Father Arsenios refused to name him so, as he wished to give him his own name. So, he said to his parents, 
I understand you wish to leave someone in the grandfather's shoes. Shouldn't I wish to leave a monk in my shoes too? Then he turned to the godmother and said, Arsenios will be his name. Thus, St. Arsenios had predicted the elder's calling, who, since his early childhood, was chosen to become a receptacle of the Holy Spirit. On September 14, 1924, the day of the elevation of the Holy Cross, after many hardships, the immigrants from Farasa finally reached the harbor of Paris, Greece. They stayed in Paris for three weeks and then went to the island of Corfu, where they temporarily settled down at a place called Castro. St. Arsenius, as he himself had predicted, lived on the island for just 40 days. On November 10th, in the age of 80, he fell asleep, leaving behind as a worthy successor and heir of his spiritual wealth, young Arsenios, later to be called Elder Paisios. So if you guys didn't catch it, there was a huge battle and lots of battles going on back in those days of uh, fighting over territories and who, what tribe and what group and, and, you know, what political party ruled what part of the land or what land was theirs. And anyway, Farasa was under attack constantly by the Setes, uh, T-S-E-T-E-S. And eventually it pushed them out, which caused the immigration uh, of uh, St. Paisios' family and his entire town. They had to leave their homes and go on foot to Greece. And it was a very um, hard journey for them with a lot of the people being elderly and having very hard um, mobility issues or a lot of mobility issues. And then once they got to this island there in Greece, um, St. Arsenios, who was the, the head priest for the town, you know, back in those days, there was a priest for every town and, you know, everybody went to that person for, for wisdom and blessings. And um, so St. Arsenios um, only lived 10 days after they made it to, to the island. And, you know, as we've seen, um, he felt he knew what was going to happen. So he made sure that he was able to baptize all of the children in the town, um, the village that had not been baptized. And Saint, young St. Paisios was one, but he was supposed to be given his grandfather's name. And that didn't happen because uh, St. Arsenios said, no, I mean, I should have the opportunity to pass on my name. And I choose this child because I see uh, great and amazing and holy things in this child. And he was not wrong on any account for any of that. So infinite thanks and blessings to St. Paisios' family for allowing um, St. Arsenios to, to do that, to name their child. So young Arsenios, who is St. Paisios, young Arsenios and his family spent a year and a half on the island of Corfu and then moved to a village near northeastern Greece. Their final destination was the town of Kanitsa in Epirus. Young Arsenios's heart and mind were totally devoted to Christ and the Virgin Mary and his strong desire to become a monk 
dominated his life. He loved to walk in the woods and pray all day long, holding a wooden cross he himself had made. And those of you who are familiar with the Orthodox faith and those of you who are not familiar with Orthodox faith uh, know or now know that um, the monks and priests always carry a wooden cross uh, in their hand that they use to to bless people and and, and to pray with. And it's with them always. I mean, it, in fact, the, the sisters and mothers do as well. Mother Natalia, who you hear me speak of all the time from the What God Is Not podcast, uh, carries one as well with her. So here we have a very young St. Paisios carved his own hand cross and took it with him wherever he went. And, you know, it just was consumed by uh, his devotion to Christ and to the Theotokos, the Holy Mother, and to prayer and just, you know, being as holy as he possibly could from a very early age. After completing elementary education, he worked as a carpenter in Kanitsa until the time of his military service. As a man of prayer, he was also a very sensitive and loving person. When someone passed away and he was assigned to make their coffin, he never accepted money from the relatives. In doing so, he was contributing in his own way in easing their pain and sorrow. Man, if only the funeral industry had that sense today, wouldn't, wouldn't the world start to become a better place? <laughs> We'd be moving in the right direction, wouldn't we? In 1945, he was drafted in the Army, where he was distinguished for his ethos and bravery. He always wanted to be in the front line or take part in the most dangerous operations, as he wished to put his own life into danger first. He was especially concerned about his fellow soldiers who were married and had children. He used to tell them, you have your wife and children waiting for you, whereas I have no one. I am free. Many times he nearly lost his life in order to save someone else's. For the most part of his military service, he served in the Department of Communications. In 1949, he was discharged from the Army. Now, I want to unpack that and expand on that a lot a bit more. Um, it wasn't just um, most of his career he was involved in communications in the military. It was all of his career. When he was drafted and when he went to uh, show for the draft, he told them point blank that he was not going to kill anyone and that he would not carry a weapon. He flat out refused to carry a weapon. So they assigned him to be their, their radio communications officer where he would carry this really heavy pack uh, on his back. And it wasn't like today's days where you can put things in a cell phone. Um, back then it was all analog and tubes and, and batteries. And um, his pack weighed as at least a hundred pounds, not carrying, not counting other things that he had to carry as far as just general equipment to live and survive. So uh, he was the radio operator for the platoon or the army or for whatever group or platoon he was in. Um, there are things to note about his service. First and foremost is, as the article notes, um, he really got to know everyone in his platoon personally, knew that they had families, that they had wives and children, and did everything he could to make sure they were as safe as possible and that um, every person got to come home. Um, there is a story of one of his 
uh, members of his platoon was shot and wounded in, in the middle of a battle zone while everybody else went and jumped into the ditch. Uh, Paisios ran to him with that 100-pound radio and all of his other equipment on his back and was and rescued this, this soldier, pulled him back to the trenches uh, where he could get um, taken to a hospital and live and was able to go home and live a long life with his wife and children. And there's all kinds of stories of that in the uh, St. Paisios big book is which I'm, what I'm going to call it. But the actual title of the book is called St. Paisios of Mount Athos by Heteromonk Isaac. And it is on uh, Amazon right now. Sorry, it's not on thrift books because they, People who buy these books, like me, um, it becomes a cherished part of their faith and their library. Uh, but the book goes for $49. So it's, it's a huge, it's a big boy, as I call it. So I'll just from here on refer to it as the big book of St. Paisios. Uh, because that's where I got so much more information from than just this article could offer. And yes, I'll have a link to uh, the book in the show description for anyone that's interested in it. So again, you know, St. Paisios went through their war uh, without firing any shots. Uh, there were times that, especially when he went to rescue that one soldier, and this happened on multiple occasions, is uh, other members of his platoon could swear that bullets were hitting him. But when he made it back to the trenches, he didn't have a mark on him. So, I mean, St. Paisius himself really never talked about that, uh, other than saying that the Holy Mother, the Theotokos, you know, Jesus was constantly with him and protecting him and protecting their platoon. So at the end of his military service, he immediately left for Mount Athos, as he had already decided to become a monk. And for those of you who are, have listened to our St. Nectarios episode, if you haven't, go back to season four and check that out. Um, hear a lot about Mount, Mount Athos. Uh, to the um, Greek Orthodox and to uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, um, Mount Athos is a, is a great holy place where a lot of sages and saints, uh, monks come from and go to, and um, it's such a, a blessed place. And that's exactly where um, St. Paisios wanted to go as soon as he got out of military service. So he still had that, that desire, that, that inner pull, that calling. Uh, to be a monk. However, once he got to Mount Athos, he only stayed for a few months because his mind was preoccupied with the future of his sisters who were still unmarried. So he left to return to his family for just a short while. In 1950, he went back to Mount Athos. He spent his first night at the cell of St. John the Theologian, which belongs to the great Lavra Monastery, situated close to Carius. Then he went to Skeet of St. Pantaleum and at the cell of the entrance of the Holy Theotokos, which is the Holy Mother uh, Mary, where Father Cyril resided, a very spiritual and virtuous ascetic. Later on, Father Cyril became the abbot 
of Kautlo Mausu Monastery. Father Cyril's conscientious efforts in fasting and long vigils greatly benefited young Arsenius, who wished to stay by his side for the rest of his life. Unfortunately, circumstances did not permit him to do so. Father Cyril sent to Estiguno Monastery, a very hospitable one, which had not yet been involved in the old calendar movement. He first set his foot there in 1950, and in 1954, he was tonsured a monk. His new name was Averkios. Young Averkios displayed great zeal in practicing obedience. When all the monks were involved in various communal tasks, he tried to remain alone and quiet in order to be able to pray. For instance, when everyone was working in the olive groves, he would stay a hundred meters away, consciously completing his task, while at the same time, he was in a state of spiritual contemplation. So the, the great monk that he wanted to uh, have as his mentor and spend the rest of his life with just ended up sending him away. So he, would, he knew that uh, St. Paisios needed certain grooming and teaching and experiences to become the great being and saint that he was intended to be. He thoroughly studied the lives of the saints of our church, the Garantikan, a collection of brief stories in wise sayings of the Desert Fathers, and the book of St. Isaac the Syrian. He always kept his book by his bedside under his pillow. When Averkius completed his task assigned by the monastery, he did not go to his cell to rest. Instead, he helped the rest of the monks to quickly finish their own tasks. He could not tolerate the privilege of enjoying the peace and quietude of his cell while the others were still working late. He offered his services to the weakest ones and avoided those who were wasting time in useless tasks. He loved everyone without distinction and humbly obeyed all of them always, considering himself the least important. Everkios did not trust his own judgment or will. He unhastingly asked his spiritual father for advice on all matters. He prayed to God to always enlighten him so he would guide him according to his own will. His heart was full of gratitude as he always thought about all the good deeds God was doing for him and the rest of the world. His love for God originating from his inner gratitudes was continuously growing along with his efforts, effortless, unceasing prayers. Sole aim of his heart was to thankfully respond, even in the least, to God's benevolence. He believed that the grace of God was the only cause of every good for every evil. He blamed himself out of his deep sense of humility. When he saw someone falling into sin, refusing to repent, or even having no faith in God, he thought, it is my fault that one of my brothers has found himself in this difficult situation. If I were acting according to Christ's will, then he would listen to my prayers and my brother wouldn't be in this unpleasant state. My wretchedness is causing my brother's misery. He always thought this way and tried to make the world's problems his own. He constantly prayed to God to help all the people who, as he humbly thought, suffered due to his own negligence and spiritual indolence. 
God, who listens to all humble people, always responded to Avertios prayer that gushed out of his burning heart, a heart full of gratefulness and humility. So we see, bless, bless his heart, literally, that, you know, he, everyone that he saw that he felt was not in line with God or um, he took it upon himself and took the suffering upon himself and the blame upon himself that they weren't uh, leading what he believed to be the, uh, the righteous life or a life with God or um, however you want to label that. But, I mean, as we know um, today that, you know, or at least we should know that people have free will and they have the right to choose and they have, they can choose whatever they want and that we are not responsible for what someone chooses to do or not do. Uh, we are responsible for how we influence them or don't influence them, uh, but we can't and we shouldn't force people to make decisions um, and be things that they don't feel that they should be. Um, you know, and, and religion is absolutely the greatest example of that is everybody believes, or not everybody, a huge group of people in the United States believe that, you know, people should be Christian, you know, that that's the only way that you're going to go to heaven and everybody else is going to hell, which is it's completely absurd that even Jesus was not a Christian, which many people all the time forget that. He was a Jew. Um, so, yes, he created a new way, but it didn't have the label and it didn't have the dogmas that Christianity does today. And as I've said infinite times and will always say, is that you can get Christians together in a room and everybody is going to believe something different. And so to say their Christianity is going to be different than your Christianity. And that goes without saying for all religions. I'm not picking on Christians. This goes for all religions, for Muslims and Buddhists and um, Kabbalists, um, Native Americans, you know, those of nature faiths. Everybody believes something different. And that's one of the things I love about the nature faiths. People of nature faiths are the first ones to say Everybody believes something different, you know. Everyone practices something differently. You know, there's certain callings that we have, uh, certain vibrations that we gravitate towards. And is one right and one wrong? Is one good and one bad? No, no. You know, as long as it's helping and not hurting, that's the thing. Is coming from love. That's that's the guidepost right there, you know. And, and Jesus Himself said that. So Averkios liked visiting elders and spiritual fathers who were full of grace in the Spirit of God. He loved to ask for their blessing and listen to their spiritual advice. His pure and childlike soul embraced without any doubts or hesitation. Whatever he heard from these elders, the so-called beautiful flowers of the Virgin Mary, he wholeheartedly believed in them and never examined their words by passing them through the sieve of his own logic. Instead, he faithfully followed their advice by humbly giving up his own way of thinking or logical investigation. He very well knew that one must not try to use his common sense to understand spiritual matters. It's like trying to grasp air with human hands. And I agree with St. Paisios to, to an extent. Um, you know, he was in a, a very safe environment where these um high priests and monks and uh, saints, future saints and current saints resided. 
to where he could take their information, their stories uh, by heart, to heart, and, and know that, you know, they were true of all essence. You know, they were absolutely 100% true and positive. Whereas today, um, we have to be, be very discerning. We can't just click on the internet and look something up and embrace it wholeheartedly and uh, replace our thoughts and our will with, with whatever this person is saying online or whatever this book is saying. We have to definitely discern it because it can be very dangerous uh, to just take another person's word for something and throw your beliefs and thoughts and feelings out the window. I mean, that's how a lot of cults come into being, like the Heaven's Gates cult, um, you know, um, the cult in, uh, in Waco, you know, it's just, you know, with David Koresh, you know, when you are allowing someone else to think for you, um, it, it can get very dangerous and very messy very quickly. But thus was not the case for St. Paisios. But it does bring up a good point. If you ever have the opportunity or immense blessing to sit with any church elders, spiritual leaders um, of your church or community, um, by all means do so. You can learn so much uh, from these sages. I know both of my grandfathers, you know, especially my grandfather on my mother's side, I learned so much, so much from them. I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't begin to put it into words or into books. It would fill up infinite libraries. Um, and I had that great blessing. I was so blessed to have that when a lot of people didn't get to know their, um, their grandparents, you know, like Haven, her, her she didn't get to know uh, her, well, her grandfather was really creepy, <laughs> but she didn't get to know her other grandfather on her father's side. She didn't get to know uh, her grandmother on her um, father's side, who was from what we found out through history and uh, through her daughter, surviving daughter, that she was just such an amazing being. Uh, but now we have those stories, you know, infinite uh, uh, blessings to to her for passing those stories on to Haven. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And that's really sad these days when, you know, back once upon a time, family was biggest part of life and that, you know, families would always get together and they would always stay together and support each other. Whereas today, families are so scattered and broken and it's, it's just really tragic. So while he was still young, he visited many monks and liked a bee he collected their spiritual pollen, so that he may produce later in his own spiritual honey, which many of the people in grief were able to taste. In 1954, circumstances, as well as the spiritual father's advice, led him to leave the monastery of Esfigmeno to go to Philatio Monastery. And I'm sorry, people uh, of, of Greek origin, that I'm slaughtering these words and these names in Greek. Uh, Greek is not my thing. I I've tried to study it, but my tongue can't pronounce the words or even begin to. So I, I threw that effort away uh, where his uncle was also a monk. So St. Paisio's uncle was also a monk. The monastery was then Idarithmic. Uh, Avericos became the disciple of Father Simeon, who was a very virtuous man. 
1956, Father Simeon gave Averkios the small schema and his new name, Paisios, in honor of Archbishop Paisios B, the Syrian, who also came from the town of Farasa in Cappadocia. Now, show of hands, who remembers what a schema is? It's S C H E M A. Those of you who listened to last season should be familiar with this term because um, it was in the um, Mother Irene shows uh, where one of the great uh, desert fathers that she came into contact with actually gave his uh, schema to her to borrow for an extended period. So I remember she was very distraught because uh, one in possession of a schema has to do certain practices and prostrations and prayers for X amount of time and X amount of days on this time, on this day. But anyway, a schema is a type of sacred belt uh, that is worn as a sash um, or a cincture if you're a Roman Catholic or other Catholic. Uh, it's a belt that goes around the waist that has um, like a holy emblem embroidered on it and has great significance. In Philothu Monastery, he became acquainted with the elder Augustinios, the ascetic, who resided at the cell of Philotheo Monastery, the entrance of the Holy Theotokos. His simple-heartedness and humility greatly benefited the elder. Elder Paisios continued his zealous spiritual struggle and always assisted the monks in the monastery in any way he could. Following is an incident indicating the elder's strong desire to constantly assist the others. One of the monks had committed a sin but was embarrassed to confess it. As a result, he withdrew to himself, and being in despair, he started thinking of committing suicide. The elder foresaw his situation and tried to help him. One day, he found him alone and started telling him about his own sins, mentioning on purpose the same sin he had fallen into. Unfortunately, the monk reacted negatively toward the elder's effort to make him go into confession. Instead, he started going around the monastery telling everybody that Paisios, whom you love and praise, is a very sinful person, and reported word by word whatever the elder had told him. Father Paisios, of course, did not try to find excuses for himself, and the monks, who understood his loving and caring intentions, justified his act and praised him for it. Well, isn't that something that here he's, you know, trying to help this monk and this monk turns on him like that. That's wow. I mean, how many shows have we done where we've seen these things happen? So it goes to show that just because they're monks or nuns or priests or ministers or sisters or whomever, they're still human beings. He strove daily for purification of his soul. He did not ask anything from God, as he very well understood that God had given him, through the mystery of the holy baptism, the most precious thing in the world, the grace of the Holy Spirit. He was not jealous of the talents and gifts of others, as he knew that the same ones were also given to him by God through holy baptism. He was not proud for them either, because even though he knew he had these gifts, he admitted they were gifts of God's grace in him through his zeal and humility and make it function as soon as possible. For this reason, he constantly looked after the purification of his soul. 
He erased every trace of evil thoughts or negative dispositions from his soul and grew in their place good and positive ones. It was fascinating to see how, without any efforts, he always developed good and positive thoughts for every kind of situation, no matter how difficult and complicated it was. For he allowed God's grace, which is not irritable or resentful, First Colossians 13.4, to act on his behalf. He could then skillfully cover the faults and mistakes of other people, as it is clearly shown in the following incident. In one of the monasteries, there was a monk who was spreading around deluded stories. The visitors who heard the stories were scandalized and asked the elder, Father Paisios, one of the monks in this monastery is saying weird stories. What exactly is going on? The elder promptly answered, be careful not to judge others because our brother is a pious one. When the monastery has visitors, he pretends to be a fool for Christ. So God will reward him. The elders answer, calm the visitors down. His kind heart was gradually embracing and protecting everybody in the same way God tactfully covers up all our sins, so they are not exposed to the rest of the world. While he was at Falafio Monastery, he used to visit Father Cyril and his skeet and seek his advice on various subjects. Father Cyril with the help of God's grace, had greatly assisted the elder. Very often, he used to give solutions to his problems before the elder had even had the chance to discuss them with him. He was almost always informed by God of his arrival and had the answers ready. Sometimes, he had even found the answer in one of his books and had underlined it to show it to Father Paisios upon his arrival. The elder expressed his admiration and after asking for his blessing, he left full of joy and spiritual profit. In 1958, the elder was asked to leave Mount Athos and go to Stomia and Kanitsa to assist with the protection of, his, of the area against Protestant proselytism. As he felt that this was truly God's will, he left for Stomia, where he stayed at the Monastery of Nativity of the Holy Theotokos. With the help of God's grace, he offered assistance to many people. In 1962, for spiritual reasons, he departed for Sinai, where he stayed at the cell of St. Galaxian and Episteme, and spiritually nurtured many people in the area. The Bedouins loved him very much. He used to work many hours during the day carving wooden articles after selling them, he bought food and gave it to them. In 1964, he left Sinai and returned to Mount Athos, where he settled down at the skeet of Avran at the Archangel's cell. In 1966, he fell ill and was hospitalized for a few months in Papa Nicola Hospital in Thessaloniki. He was operated on and a large section of his lungs were removed. His acquaintance with the convent of St. John the Theologian is next in the article. At this point, I would like to describe how God's providence led Father Paisios to become acquainted with the nuns of the convent of St. John the Theologian. The elder was in great need of blood for his surgery. He had no relatives by his side. As he himself wished, and a group of novice nuns donated 
as much blood as he needed. He was very grateful for their support, wishing to express his deep gratitude. He used to say that their kind support resembled a woolen sweater embracing his bare flesh. He wished to take it off and offer it to them in return. As an expression of his heartfelt gratitude, he empathized with the nuns who were facing insuperable, yeah, inseparable, excuse me, problems in their effort to build their convent. So he personally took the initiative to find a suitable area for its construction. He offered his assistance in every way he could. Along with building foundation, he also laid its spiritual foundations by giving instructions for the proper functioning of the convent. Thus, the elder established a strong relationship with the convent of St. John the Theologian and remained by its side until his death. By the end of 1967, he went to Katanikia in Mount Athos, where he settled down at the cell of Hypatius of Lavra, living alone in a deserted area. Many times he experienced God's presence, consolation, which contributed to his spiritual growth, enabling him to comfort thousands of people in pain. In 1968, Father Paisios went to Stravonikia, excuse me, Stravonikita Monastery, where he assisted in its residence renovation by offering labor work as well as spiritual advice. In the Holy Cross cell of Stravonikita Monastery, located nearby, lived Father Tykin, the ascetic, who was also a spiritual father. Father Tykin, the ascetic, who was also a spiritual father, was born in 1884 in Novia, Mahalaska of Russia. He was a very gifted man and lived a strict ascetic life. Father Paisios often visited him for spiritual advice and helped him with service of divine liturgy by serving as chanter. Quite frequently, the service was in spiritual contemplation, which sometimes lasted half an hour. He saw, as he himself confessed, the orders of the angels, the cherubim and the seraphim glorifying God. Father Tykin tonsured Elder Paisios and gave him the great and angelic schema. So another thing to add about this part of him uh, rebuilding this monastery for these nuns that donated blood to him, um, he did so much of the labor himself. Um, whereas the people in the village at first uh, were kind of a miffed of why he was there because the site that he was rebuilding, um, the church that he was rebuilding for the nuns to make their monastery, um, had fell into disrepair. And the people of the village used it as a party place where they would go and hold dances and uh, bonfires and just party. And, 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 you know, there was no respect paid to it being it have, as it had been a church and should still have been a church in a monastery. Uh, so, you know, they were there were some ruffled feathers when he first got there because, you know, here he was renovating and they were still trying to have their parties and he was chasing them off. He was like, you know, you guys have no respect at all for sacred or holy areas and to come up here and, and do your partying. He said, when you should be up here helping me rebuild this church that is going to and it's monastery that's going to benefit you and bring people from all over the world which it still does today, uh, as a matter of fact, because 
well, in part, he is uh, buried there um, or is entombed there. And all the work that he did and all of his history and um, things of that nature have now attracted, literally attracted people from all over the world to that place. When Father Taichan's life was coming to an end, 10 days actually before he passed away, he asked the elder to stay by his side and take care of him. Paiusu served Father Taichan with great self-sacrifice, offering him anything he could to comfort him. What Taichan used to tell him, Paisius, our love is precious. My sweet Paisius, our love, my child, will last unto the ages of ages. He asked him to stay in his cell after his death and promised that he will visit him every year. Father Taichan fell asleep on September 10th, 1968, two days after the celebration of Nativity, of the Holy Theotokos, as he himself had predicted, being well equipped and ready for his journey to eternity. Father Paisios settled down at the cell of the Holy Cross according to the wish of Father Tychon, where he stayed until 1979. On May 13, 1979, Father Paisios went to the monastery of Kautlaum Malcio, where he registered as a monk. He settled down at the Hitz Hermitage, Pana. Goda, Nativity of the Holy Theotokos, after it was converted into a cell. While living in Panagoda, the elder assisted many troubled souls. All day long, from dawn to sunset, he gave advice to people, consolation and solutions to their problems, took away their sorrow and filled their souls with faith, hope, and love for God. He dedicated the day to people and the night to God. He managed to rest only during the early hours for two to three hours, so he would be able to survive through the day's fatigue. During the night, he spent quite some time reading the letters he received by dozens on a daily basis. Yellow was very distressed by the con content, or excuse me, content of the letters and by what the visitors used to tell him. Almost always, people spoke about broken marriages, mental illnesses, or deaths caused by cancer. Elder Paisios was transformed into a spiritual magnet, drawing out the sorrow of people in grief. The mental fatigue and pain of his visitors, his extremely sensitive soul, his physical exhaustion arising from the many daily visits, as well as his unceasing prayers contributed to the gradual physical weakness and vulnerability to various illnesses. So again, I mean, here we see, bless, bless him infinitely. Um, St. Paisios is offering so much of himself that it's causing him weakness and illness and fatigue because he's not taking care of himself. And, and that I, I understand him uh, in, in doing that. Not, not any comparison, but, you know, I, I get the feeling of what he went through somewhat in my circumstance and, You've got to know your limits and you're no, of no benefit to others if you're not yourself well and healthy. So, you know, if you want to help people, the best thing to do is help yourself to be charged and ready and healthy so you can better take care of people that you're assisting. And also so you can be around longer to take care of more people. If you run yourself literally into the ground, you run yourself to death, literally. You are of no benefit to anyone past that point. Unless you're a saint and people can pray to you, 
uh, for intervention, but it would be better to have them here physically than to have them um, in the other world. The serious problems of the elders' health began in 1966. As mentioned above, Father Paisio suffered from a disease of the respiratory system, which made him very weak. The constant visits of the people, the heavy load of their problems and their worries, which he always carried on him as if it were his own, but also the physical fatigue of the hospitality duties resulted in his exhaustion. He had very few hours left to rest during the day, and he dedicated the night to praying. The elder made small icons using a metallic mold that he himself had carved. He gave these icons, the crucifix, the Holy Theotokos, St. Arsenios of Cappadocia, to the visitors as a blessing. This task was an additional burden to his already tight schedule, especially when he was using press that required a lot of physical effort. As a result, he developed a hernia. He systematically refused to be operated and tried to invent his own ways to relieve the pain, which were not very successful. He suffered when he was sitting down, but even more so when he was standing up. When I was at the convent of St. John the Theologian in Soroti, I remember once that he was remained standing up for hours so everybody could come by and take his blessing. He did not sit down even when he had turned pale and was sweating out extreme pain. For five years, he endured with exemplary perseverance the painful disease of hernia, thus demonstrating in practice the great virtue of patience to both laymen and the clergy. When a group of close friends who were doctors, visited him in Soroti. They literally kidnapped him and took him to the hospital to be operated. So, yeah, I mean, I see, yes, that's exemplary, but the thing is, is I know you all know where I'm going with this, and I'm not saying you would never, ever say anything contradicting to St. Paisios, but, I mean, again, these are types of mortifications. And again, as I've said and said and said, and always will say, you all know how I feel about mortifications. It, it, it does no one any good for you to go through pain and suffering when you don't have to. If you've got a hernia and you have the ability to get it operated on, get it operated on, take your time and heal and come back and you'll be better than ever and live longer so you can be there for people more. If you tax yourself literally to death, what what benefit is that? You know, yeah, he's doing his own type of spiritual uh, purification um, through these mortifications, but it's not necessary. And again, I, I would never, ever contradict or say anything ill against St. Paisios or any of the saints I'm just merely speaking from my point of view and, and, and telling everyone out there, please don't do these things. Don't try these things to um, make yourself saintly or uh, to um, wipe away sin or, you know, to to do any kind of mortification to to repair bad that you've done or. There is so many other ways that you can do that just by just speaking with the divine in prayer, in communion, 
You know, you don't have to harm yourself. That's totally opposite of what we're supposed to do. We're not to harm others and we're not to harm ourselves. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So don't, don't hurt yourself. Don't, yeah, just, just don't. <laughs> Since 1988, Father Paisios was facing rectal problems in 1993. During the period of Great Lent, he was very weak. and He was fasting strictly. He could not get any rest during the night due to the unbearable pain, constant bleeding. Although he told the visitors he was very ill, many insisted to see him. He felt so exhausted that he sometimes fainted, ignoring the poor state of of his own health, however, he accepted to see his visitors and relieve them of their grief. When I was at the monastery, I undertook some nursing duties. One day I went to the elder and told him, I brought you some vitamins and iron tablets. I believe these will help raise your hematocrit. He answered, Father, vitamins won't do me any good as my blood is in a very poor condition. And then he added jokingly, Besides, Father Teocleitus is in need of a large amounts of iron, for he is doing some construction works in the monastery. I do not wish to put him in a difficult situation by taking away from him all the iron. As I understand, iron is useless for me. What I really need now is steel. He stood up laughing, took a glass of water, and dropped in an effervescent vitamin tablet and said, my experience with medicine is very negative one, so I do not wish to start taking pills again. I am willing, however, to take one's advice on what to do to protect myself, and I will indeed be very grateful to him. With the effervescent tablet was dissolved, he took again the glass and added laughingly, Everything will be taken care of once I am buried in the ground. He shook the glass as if to propose in good health but instead made the swallowing wish, let's all rest in peace, Father. While listening to the elder's words, I knelt by his side and begged him to go to Thessalonica to have some medical tests done in order to diagnose his disease. The elder asked me to stand up and said, listen, Father, my health condition is a great benefit to my spiritual life. I do not really wish to alter it. These are the reasons why I do not wish to go to Thessalonica or Niki for medical tests. Number one, Christ knows the condition of our health. Since he is the best doctor, we should have trust in him. If it is for our own benefit, he will act accordingly and cure our illness. Number two, since I believe that I have developed a tumor in my intestine, it is best to leave it as it is. Otherwise, if we play around with it, it will get worse. Number three, in our days, everybody suffers from three things, cancer, mental illness, and divorce. The dozens of letters I receive every week talk about these problems. I do not suffer from any serious mental illness, he used to say laughingly. I have nothing to do with marriages or divorce. At least let me suffer from cancer as a consolation to people in distress. Things do not look too good when everyone in the world is in pain and sorrow and one of us has nothing to worry about. Now, thank God everything is just fine. 
And number four, God has deeply moved when someone who has cancer or some other serious problem does not complain about it, but instead prays for his fellow men. Then one may dare say to Christ, you see, I am not asking any help for myself, but please do help the others. And God does help. So my father, do not worry too much about me. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say anything, folks. You already, I've already said, and you all know how I feel about all of that. It's just, ay, I, I respect the great saint's um, views and wishes and know that he was operating on a different plane, or still is operating on a different plane of existence than, than we are. Um, but it's just, it's just tragic. It's sad that if, you know, possibly... One can get help and live, you know, for some more years to help others, and that's great, you know, and instead of, you know, not, and then passing, and then not being there for others in a physical way. But anyway, okay, <laughs> enough said. During the Great Lent of 1993, Father Paisios had a tendency to faint due to his low hematocrit. I'm going to look that up. Hang on just a second. Okay, it's hematocrit, not hematocrit or whatever world I was saying, but um, it means a, a low red blood cell count. So that's, that's what he was greatly suffering from. Often while standing up, he fell unconscious, but he did not despair and faced his illness with great patience, perseverance, and courage. One Sunday, he asked a priest and two other monks to come and serve the divine liturgy of St. Basil the Great. Although he was very weak, he was assisting the priest in the holy altar. As he was standing at the Stasian church seat praying, suddenly he developed difficulty in breathing and started trembling. Then he lost his balance and almost fell down unconscious. But fortunately, the monks managed to catch him in time. They lay him on the floor where he remained unconscious for a few minutes. After a while, he recovered, and they helped him get back to his seat. When they tried to lower the stastian so he could sit, he refused to do so. He was standing up during the whole service, even though his face was as pale as the pure candle. He was distressed because his health condition did not permit him to receive Holy Communion. After a while, he fainted again. When he recovered, they forced him to go lie down, but he refused. Not only he did not lie down, but he also refused to stand at the stasian, and he continued to stand up. In a little while, he went to prepare the zian, and for the third time, he fainted. When he recovered, he asked, Is the zian ready? Completely disregarding the incident. He decided not to receive Holy Communion as he was afraid he might vomit. Ay, ay, ay. Bless, bless him. When the service was over, the monks sat in the small guest room to have a suite, and Father Paisios, as usual, went to a cell to light up the oil candle. He stood on a stool because the oil candle was high up, and the next thing they heard was, O oh, Virgin Mary followed by a loud noise. They were frightened and ran inside to see what was going on. They found him lying on the floor, unconscious. 
When he recovered, he told them to leave. They said, Father Paisios, how can you stay alone after having fainted so many times? He answered, There's nothing to worry about. Go now. I feel better. The monks obeyed and left, being very concerned about his well-being. The situation went on until October of 1993. He had constant hemorrhages, excuse me, hemorrhages, fainting, tendency to vomit. In addition, the pain in the intestine made it difficult for him to sit down. October 22nd was his last day on Mount Athos. He left and went to the convent of St. John the Theologian in Soroti to be present at the vigil service of November 10th performed in honor of St. Arsenios. He stayed at the convent for a few days, as he always used to do. When he was ready to depart from Mount Athos, the doctors diagnosed the presence of a tumor the size of a small orange in the last section of his rectum. They decided he should undergo radiation therapy to reduce its size and then be operated. The CT scan confirmed that the metastasis of cancer in the liver and lungs, despite these findings, the operation was considered necessary in order to prevent the total obstruction of the intestine by the existing tumor. Around 1.30 p.m., when the operation was completed, the elder was taken to the intensive care unit. Only very few people were allowed to visit him. He remained by his side until he regained consciousness. He opened his eyes for a short while and then fell asleep again. When he finally woke up, I asked him, How do you feel? He answered, trying to smile. Don't you see? Like an astronaut. <laughs> he had an oxygen mask on his face. An intravenous serum in his two arms. The wires of the cardiograph on his chest. A nasal gastric catheter in his nose. A urinary bladder catheter. And a special converter for the measurement of partial oxygen pressure. With great effort, he continued. I was also given a medal. And he pointed to his chest where the wire of the cardiograph had been installed. But I don't really know the rank I was given. Am I a colonel or a general? Then he turned around to an old friend, a doctor, who had been greatly benefited by the elder and asked him, Costa, what did they finally find inside me? Are there any metastases as the tomography, tomography excuse me, indicated? I said, yes, Father, the doctor answered. The liver as well as the lungs have been affected. I don't mind where the mastesis are as long as this remains clean. And he pointed to his head. He had a short discussion with the doctor. And when he left, I stayed alone with him. Among other things, he told me, honestly, my father, if the hemorrhage could stop for just a couple of hours so I could be present at the service of the divine liturgy, I wouldn't be bothered at all. By the way, I just recalled that I had asked God to make me suffer from cancer. I had some personal problems that Father Paisius knew about. I was deeply moved by the fact that in spite of his post-operative condition and unbearable pain, he tried to find solutions to my problems. He did the same thing for everyone else, disregarding the state of his very poor health. One could feel the sincere love he felt for all. 
Many people were distressed because they could not visit him at the hospital. The reason was not because the elder wanted his peace and quietness, or he did not wish to see his visitors, being a monk with a very sensitive and discreet soul. He did not want to accept people's consolation and comfort, while the patients next to him had no one by their side. Moreover, he did not wish to disturb the hospital's daily routine, as some doctors disliked the coming and going of many visitors. He used to say to those who informed him that someone is waiting to see him outside, visits are of no use to the patient, being quietness are, or excuse me, peace and quietness are. He remained at the hospital for 10 days and then was transferred to the convent of St. John, the theologian, for recovery. In the meantime, the doctors informed him that the prognosis was not so good, and his lifespan was not more than four months. When the elder heard about it, he said, smiling, do I have to wait for that long? Can it be earlier than this? <laughs> Jeez, old beats. Oy. He suffered from acute pain, which at times was getting unbearable. He endured with exemplary patience and joy, terrible pain, thinking, as he used to say, of the martyrdom. The holy martyrs suffered for the love for Christ, while he suffered only in order to recover. Father Paisios had irrevocably decided to return to Mount Athos. He had set his departure for Monday, June 13th. Meanwhile, he developed high fever with difficulty in breathing and was forced to cancel his trip. His health condition was gradually deteriorating. According to a scan, the metastasis now occupied the biggest part of the liver, which was significantly swollen. Every now and then, he had to use an oxygen mask to facilitate his breathing. As time went by, his anorexia and difficulty in breathing were steadily increasing, as well as his abdominal pains, which were now becoming more acute and frequent. On top of all of this, he periodically developed high temperatures and serious tachycardia. His abdominal materialism created great discomfort, as he could not comfortably lie in bed. During all the stages of his illness, he never ceased repeating that we must be patient, while he, his very own patience was an excellent example to us all. Towards the end of June, the doctors informed him that he had about two to three weeks left. On Monday, July 11th, on St. Ephemia's Day, Father Paisios received Holy Communion for the last time, kneeling in front of his bed. During the last 24 hours, he was very serene, and even though he suffered, he did not complain at all. He did not wish to take any more medication. The only medicine he accepted was cortisone, because according to the doctors, it would not prolong his lifespan, but it would only give him some strength. On Tuesday, July 12th, Elder Paisios humbly and peacefully rendered his soul to God, whom he had deeply loved and served since his early childhood. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is the life of St. Paisios. Now, again, in the St. Paisios Big Book, there is so much more information and teachings of his in there, which I beyond recommend for anyone who can afford it. There's also a great documentary on him. It's, it's a, a little dated, um, it's from the mid to late 90s, but it's it's so worth watching and it's it's absolutely free and it's on YouTube. 
Um, there are subtitles because it's not in English, but there's interviews with people who knew him, uh, his family, even neighbors that he grew up with in the village um, are interviewed. And they show a lot of his hermitage that he had where people would come and visit and he would help them and give them advice and, and things of that nature. And I can't recommend that enough. And that's absolutely free. Uh, it just takes some time to watch because I think it's, Probably two and a half, maybe three hours long, but it's definitely worth every bit of watching. So before we close out with uh, prayers and uh, prayer requests and updates, I would like to share some quotes from uh, St. Paisios. I always like to share teachings of these great saints or quotes from these great saints to share with all of you, you know, especially those who are busy and don't have time to look these things up on their own. And you can just listen to it here and now. So the first uh, quote is from St. Paisios, who says, So in every test, let us say, thank you, my God, or my creator, or the universe, again, whatever you want to call it, because this was needed for my salvation. We find um, a lot of things we learn when we're suffering. And unfortunately, the majority of us don't find these things out while we're suffering. It's only afterwards um, in, in looking back at it that we find these, if we do, which we should. I mean, there's something to learn in everything. The next quote is, do not believe your thoughts, neither when they tell you that you are terrible, nor when they tell you you are a saint. And about being humble and not believing what the mind tells you, going from, again, as we've talked about so many times, going from the head to the heart. And the next he says, live simply and without thinking too much, like a child with his father. Faith without too much thinking works wonders. Logical mind hinders the grace of God and miracles. Practice patience without judging with the logical mind. And I completely agree with that. As, you know, those of you who listen to the show for any length of time know, um, as we've talked about so many times, especially last Last season, season four, we talked a lot about the mind and transferring from the mind, living from the mind to living from the heart, and that the mind can throw so many um, monkey wrenches into things, and especially our faith, uh, our evolution as a soul in this life, in this form, in this flesh. Um, if we go based on the mind, yeah, it, it can be really messy. The next quote, he says, Thoughts are like airplanes flying in the air. If you ignore them, there is no problem. If you pay attention to them, you create an airport inside your head and permit them to land. That's that's a very awesome saying and a very Zen saying because a, a lot of Buddhists, especially Zen Buddhists and Tibetan Buddhists, refer to thoughts um, as clouds in the sky and for us not to focus on them or as the great Sogyal Rinpoche used to always say is that your mind is like a glass of muddy water. If you keep shaking it up, which is the mud, it's your thoughts. If you keep shaking it, um, it just clouds your mind completely. You have to let it settle, you know, let it sit. Don't disturb it and allow that mud to settle, allow those thoughts to settle. And it, it, it's, it's very true that, you know, the, how many of you have had a thought in, you're laying in bed thinking about something and that thought just evolves either into more of that thought or it trains off into another thought, into another thought, into another thought. Before you know it, you've been laying there for hours trying to get to sleep when actually you've just been 
letting the airplane or the airplanes of thoughts land at your airport in your mind. Okay, and the next quote is, the goal is to rise spiritually, not simply to avoid sin. It's very deep, that one sentence is to everybody tries, well, <clears throat> most people try to avoid uh, being a sinner or to doing something that they believe God or the universe would be displeased with when they're not, and, and they're not focusing on what the things they should be doing to not only help the universe and God, but also to help other beings as well. The next quote is, when there is a respect for small things, there will be an even greater respect towards the bigger things. When there is no respect for small things, then neither will there be for bigger ones. This is how the fathers maintained tradition. And again, you know, that should be self-explanatory, but I mean, that's, it can't be stated enough that, you know, we have to have respect, love, and care for all beings, great and small. I mean, how many of you have walked, uh, been walking somewhere and you look down on the pavement and there is a worm that is writhing about that somehow, some way got washed up on the pavement or made the bad decision to crawl up on the pavement. And now the sun is literally baking it. It's drying out. How many of us have witnessed this? How many of us have just kept walking because it's just a worm? How many of us, raising my hand, do stop and save the worm and try to relocate it to a better place where at least it has a chance? See, a lot of people, most people don't. They don't think of that. A life is a life, regardless of what size, size, I guess that's size and shape together. So it's size. If you guys want to start, you hashtag size, <laughs> size, shape, color, container. It comes in. It doesn't matter. A life is a life. And every life was created by the divine. Every life was created by the universe. So therefore, every life is sacred. Every life is holy. So every life must be respected regardless, again, of what shape, size, color, or container, or what faith it is. The next uh, quote is, we have the power of the Holy Cross, our holy symbol, the divine grace of Christ, only as long as we have the holy marking of holy baptism, meaning we have denied the devil and sided with Christ and received the holy marking, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is one um, mostly towards uh, Catholics and Christians. Um, I know those of other faiths have other ways of, of baptism or uh, ways that they refer to what Catholics and Christians refer to baptism. So it's nothing against them. But what he's saying is when you, you know, you make that commitment to your faith. You make that commitment to the creator. Um, again, whatever you want to label it, it's beyond every single label you could possibly slap on it. Uh, and when you label it, you constrict it and restrict it, and you're putting it in a box that it won't fit in. Um, so, again, as he's saying, when you commit yourself to your faith, you know that, that changes everything, changes everything inside and out. You know, with you and with those you come into contact with, 
Um, it changes how you see people, how you react to people, how you help people. Um, so many of us, unfortunately, don't help people these days. And when we do, we're persnickety and picky on who we help. You know, we might not help the homeless person in front of us, but we'll give to Goodwill or something like that. It's like, you know, if, if you have it to give to that person, why are you holding it for someone else? You know, unless you've promised it to someone else. Why aren't you helping that person in front of you? You know, just one of those things. But we all peel an orange, lemon, or apple differently, don't we? Um, even the way we peel banana. Some people peel it from the bottom up, or some people peel it from the top down. It all depends on the person, and there's no right way or wrong way. So I'm not saying that. I'm just kind of helping, giving some pointers, some St. Paisios pointers. And I hope, so hope. You all have uh, enjoyed the show. Uh, infinite thanks, blessings, and love to the longtime listeners who've had patience for, what, three seasons <laughs> to getting to this. And I pray I didn't disappoint. Again, there was so much more in the St. Paisios Big Book, and especially in the documentary as well, in which I will have a link to that in the show description. Everyone, please go check that out and spend some time and watch it and just bask and bathe in the essence of St. Paisius. This week's prayer request and updates are as follows. We have Nicholas, who is still waiting for another heart transplant and battling rejection every day. Um, Haley, who has terminal ovarian cancer, her doctors told her she probably has two to three weeks to live, um, and then she will be uh, departing. From this life, leaving her husband, Taylor, and her four-year-old son, Weston, in this physical realm, um, they just did an update video on TikTok, and um, she said she's feeling good. She's gained five pounds. She's able to eat, um, and she's feeling good, and she's hoping for some more time. Um, but those of you who have been involved with people um, who are close to passing always know that they seem to get better almost miraculously before they crash. Um, so, you know, I hope and pray this isn't the case, but um, you never know. Um, so please keep Haley, her husband Taylor, and four-year-old son Weston in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Next is an update with Maudie. Um, she gets good news and then she gets bad news. Well, the good news is, is that she's no longer in rejection. That's the good news. So that's great news, really. Uh, the not-so-good news is that she has gotten what they call the CMV virus from the heart donor. So from the heart that she received, she has this now CMV virus, and it's like an immune um, deficiency type of virus. So every month she has to go get infusions of a certain um medicine that will help combat that. And she said that after a year of going monthly for this infusion, um, her doctors are going to reevaluate and see. Because um, they said sometimes it goes away in a year, sometimes it doesn't, and it takes longer. So anyway, she is feeling great. Um, she's doing wonderful, and she is staying very upbeat. Um, prayers for Stephanie, Sarah, Kia, Elaine, uh, Bob, 
was uh, his biopsy came back that he does have uh, uh, basal cells or basal cells in in that uh, biopsy. So he has to go on June 7th at 9.45 a.m. to have um, that part of his skin on his back removed, uh, which is the location uh, from where the biopsy came. Uh, so please keep Bob in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Um, next prayers for Clyde, Lisa, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwen, Octavia, Trish, Chad, and their family, Brother Ashley and his family, Brother Abel, uh, Mike S. and his wife Kelly. Just got an update from Mike S. about the cyst. Um, his doctor said it is a just a sac fluid cyst, and it will not require any um, thing invasive. So he does not have to have surgery or anything like that. He said it's something that's common, and it's you're just going to monitor it, and he's going to be fine. Um, again, he's off that medication that was really messing with his head. And he's back to playing with his band and getting his life back to normal. So thank you all for your thoughts and prayers for Mike. So let's please keep them going for him and his wife, Kelly, that Mike is around for a very, very long time and is able to play a lot of great music and make a lot of people happy. Plus, he does a lot of things for his church as well as for orphanages over in Africa. Uh, next is my brother, Michael. He's in need of our prayers. He's still recovering from shingles. Uh, my sister, Tanya, Cheryl, uh, great update for Elijah and for his grandmother, Janet. Uh, Elijah did get a job this past week, so his depression is evaporating as we speak. So infinite thanks, blessings, and love to all of you for your thoughts and prayers for Elijah and his husband, Andrew. Um, this is a lot less stress on Andrew as well. And an update on his grandmother, Janet. Uh, she is off the ventilator and feisty as can be. So she has a lot of fight still left in her. So I don't think she's going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, next prayers for Father Mike, who is battling. Every day is a battle with, with the medical issues that he has at Doctors don't seem to know what to do or how to progress um, in that. And um, he's looking for a job. And, and so is Eddie, his husband, and Eddie's mom, Becky, just went in this past Monday and had a triple bypass and a valve repair. Um, from what I understand, she um, did well with the surgery, that there were some issues during the surgery, but nothing that the doctors weren't expecting. So they were able to address those issues. And uh, as soon as I have any more updates on her, I will let you all know. So please um, add Becky to your heart thoughts and prayers uh, with her recovery from heart surgery. Uh, prayers for Emma, Jean, Kathy, Tony, Michael T, Kyra. We next have Courtney Moore. She has a, what they call complex congenital heart defect, uh, which she has had for most of her life. She's had seven open heart surgeries and many other surgical procedures. Uh, one year ago, she went into cardiac arrest. And fortunately, her sister-in-law knew how to do CPR. If you don't know how to do CPR, folks, please learn. You can go on YouTube, find videos, learn how to do it because you never know 
when you will need to do it for a friend, just a passerby or a loved one. So blessings to her sister-in-law for saving her life. Um, but since that cardiac arrest, she has not been feeling well or doing well. So she went to the local uh, hospital in Washington, D.C., where she lives. And those specialists, heart specialists, said that her uh, case was too complex. So they referred her to Duke Hospital in North Carolina. Uh, she has gone there. And um, they said she had high lung pressure. So they're working on treating that. And once that is corrected, she will be put on a transplant um, list for a awaiting a donor. And again, folks, I can't stress enough how important it is for you to be a an organ donor. We don't need the organs and tissue of this body once we pass. And it's not against your religion to donate. It's actually one of the greatest legacies you can leave in this lifetime. Um, you guys have heard me talk about my best friend, Art, who passed away at the age of 35 in 2005. Um, he and I were talking about organ donation maybe a month before he passed away, and he did fill it out. Back then, you could just write it on the back of your driver's license that you um, wanted to donate, and he did. He did, and he helped save and make lives better for over 50 people, 50 people. That's just amazing. What a blessing to be able to give to over 50 people, just giving them something that you're either going to embalm and bury or you're going to cremate. So I, and I can't, I can't recommend that enough folks. And, um, Last but certainly not least is Jan. Uh, she is a friend of Elaine's, who is my mother. Uh, she has been having uh, racing heart, heart arrhythmia issues. Um, she has not been doing well at all. She had a meeting with her doctors this Friday, past Friday, but I have not received any updates on how that went, on how they're going to proceed. Um, you know, maybe a possible you know, a pacemaker or something like that, but Please add Jan to your heart thoughts and prayers, everybody, as well as Courtney and everybody we've talked about. And I'm sorry, folks. Well, I, mean, I guess I shouldn't apologize, but I know our prayer list each week gets longer and longer. And here I'm looking at the counter now, and we're coming up to nine and a half minutes. I've been talking um, about prayers and updates, but this is so important and vital. You know, these are our fellow brothers and sisters. You know, they are all we are all children of the creator, children of the divine. You know, we are all that living breath in, in human form and we need to be here for each other. And what there's like, you know, other than being there for the person physically, the next best thing is to offer prayers, lift them up in prayer, uh, offer them healing. You know, I, I can't stress enough um, the power and importance of prayer. It cannot be, um, underestimated in the least. It is just on and above an atomic level. Really, it is. And you don't really realize that until you've been on the receiving end of it. And I've been most blessed to have been on the receiving end of it. And I can testify that it is truly, truly beyond um, amazing. So again, thank you all for your heart, 
thoughts and prayers for all of these people. And for those of you who do listen to the prayers all the way through, I mean, I know here we are 10 and a half minutes through um, after a lengthy show to begin with. So thank you all. Infinite thanks, blessings, love. And if you are in need of prayers, please do not hesitate to reach out to me on my contact information at the end of the show, which is coming up and the end of every show. Friends, loved ones, anyone, let me know, and I will add them to the list. I mean, I don't care how long the list is. If it ends up turning into an hour or more of just me reading people's names, by all means, we'll do it, because that, to me, is one of the huge reasons why we are all here. Thank you all, and bless you. So I could think of absolutely no better prayer than a prayer to St. Paisios. So let us pray. Nominee Divi Filii Spiritus Sancti. O holy Saint Paisios, true vessel of Christ, by, by allowing God to work through you, you enabled God's will to become your own by obedience, intense spiritual struggle, and willingness to help others. Intercede for us, O blessed Paisios, that we too may dismiss earthly desires. Pray for the whole world and serve our brothers and sisters so that we can sincerely serve Christ, our God, the lover of man. May you continually guide us on our lifetime journey, or excuse me, lifelong journey of becoming a true human being. Pray for us and with us that we may learn to pray, oppose the evil one, and be inspired in divine knowledge through our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ to whom is due all honor and worship together with his eternal father and all and his all holy and life giving spirit. Amen. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for here and more with us. Please feel free to stop by anytime, all the time. You are family. If this show has helped you, please, please, please share it with as many people as possible. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever format you listen to. That helps move the show up in those formats so when someone does a general search, they're more likely to find the show. And if the show has really helped you and you have the means, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show, as well as the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through the Cash app. The show's cash tag is dollar sign Faith and More, or you can find us at cash.app forward slash dollar sign Faith and More. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. It's a fun place, folks. You can watch videos of weekly Ask Angel questions where people write me and ask me questions and I respond uh, on YouTube. You can also watch me do bi-weekly sermons and homilies. Also, audio of our shows are uploaded to YouTube where you can listen and much, much more. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at faith and more podcast. Next is prayers. I love to pray and our faith and more family love to pray. So let us pray for you. There are two ways to do this. The first is to email me directly at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. 
The second way is through our website. There is a form at the bottom of the website, and the website address is faithandmorepodcast.wixsite.com forward slash my dash site. And there are always links to all of these things in the show notes for and description for each show. So until next time, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. Bless you.